It's Theopop, episode five. The one where we are secure in our manhood enough to talk about little women. <laughs> Go ahead. Make my day. <laughs> <laughs> God have mercy on your soul. Welcome to Theopop. He's David Gaddy. And he's Jeremiah Orr. And she's Meredith Neal. And we're exploring (laughs) (laughs) pop culture from a spiritual mindset. How are you doing, David? I'm good. How are you, Meredith? I'm doing great. Thanks. (laughs) Awesome. So uh, for those of you who don't know, the Neal clan has been... uh, on our podcasts in the in the past many times, uh, we've had Riley and Jack and Lando and Brian, but we've never had the uh, matriarch of the family, <laughs> the Queen Mother, the Queen Mother, the Queen Mother, and probably the biggest fan of Theonauts. Yes, Meredith, she's been with us since the first. That's right, Meredith Neal, who is joining us in the studio. Yes. So, welcome, Meredith. We're excited that you're here and finally doing a podcast with us. It's Theo Pop, not Theo Nuts, but you know, it's something. So, <laughs> close enough. <laughs> you got to so, start somewhere. <laughs> so, how do you feel about being on a Theonautical episode? I am super excited. I just love this movie so much, and um, I just can't wait to talk about it. <laughs> I was telling Brian last night. I, I was like, had all my notes spread out, and I said, I should have been an English teacher, and then I thought, no, I'd be a cruddy teacher. <laughs> I should have been a book club president. <laughs> yeah, well, you sent us those pictures of your notes, and I'm like, wow, yeah. she prepares way, way more, more for an episode. Way more than, than, than either one of us, but or both either. of us put together, really. That's right. That was pretty incredible, so we're really impressed. You might have to take over the podcast, because you're going to put us to shame. <laughs> uh, on on this topic tonight, but uh, I'm glad that you're excited about this movie, and I glad I'm glad that well, I guess we're man enough to, <laughs> to discuss <laughs> Little Women, which cracks me up. It's so so weird, like that hey, phrase right there. I have a funny story sense. about that. Secure in our manhood. Yeah. Like, well, which, Landry told me when she was in high school, um, one of her teachers, um, it was Coach Burke was talking about some um oh who's the guy that wrote the notebook you know oh, the, yeah. oh yeah yeah nicholas sparks yeah nicholas sparks oh so you knew that, her coach was talking about this nicholas sparks film and all the guys were like i can't believe you watch nicholas sparks you know i can't believe you admit that and he's like hey 
I love my wife, and that makes her happy. So I think I'm pretty manly. Well, there, there you <laughs> go. Makes her more than happy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's like he's a smart guy. That's right. Yeah, he is. What, make her watch a romantic movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, so there you my go. Gosh. So that brings me back to the first, like, one of the first movies I ever went to watch with Christina was P.S. I Love You. <laughs> Have you ever heard of that movie? Yes. It's like an I Irish have, dude that up and not. dies, but he writes all these letters to his wife. And uh, P.S. I love you. And it's about her, him or her like getting with another guy now that he's dead and all this stuff. And it's really sad. It was really horrible. <laughs> it's like but, the Uber chick flick. Oh, my like gosh. Like the worst torture, it I'm was sure, a, for yeah, you. Yeah, it was a chick flick on steroids, <laughs> for sure. I had those moments, too. I remember it was... <laughs> I went to go see Steel Magnolias in the theater. Now, don't knock on Steel Magnolias, dude. Oh, what? my God. We, we should uh, cover Steel Magnolias. That is an amazing, no, amazing no. movie. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's right up there with fried green tomatoes. <laughs> what? Also a chick flick. I was about to say, what? <laughs> Those and, two movies right there. And are you the had a epitome. problem with this movie? Wait, <laughs> hold on. So, so, so I lived. I lived for a while in the South, like the Deep South, South Carolina, right? And if there are a couple, like if there's a movie that defines Southern living, it's Steel Magnolias and Fried Green Tomatoes. True. Those movies, I mean, are the epitome of Southern women. <laughs> it's hilarious. I love them. And so you were five, thinking of it more five. of like a genre of Americana, not really yes. a chick flick. Right. I like it for the, the nostalgia <laughs> was of all the times. Talking about women things. <laughs> but it's funny and it's poignant. It's yes. great. I love it. Uh, you know. Another one for me was Beaches. I remember Melanie making me watch Beaches. That's I pretty never bad. Heard of beaches. <laughs> Yeah, that must Bette, have been before me. Bet Midler, they all die. Bet Midler, uh, okay, somebody. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like Bet Midler. She's Y'all are just awesome. going right to the most, you know, girly of all of them. Couldn't it well, be like their proposal with you know, what's her name, Sandra? I like that movie. Yeah, that's a funny movie. Yeah, that's, that's a rom com. Uh, yeah, it's got Deadpool in it. Oh, Ryan, it uh, what's Ryan, Ryan Gosling? The no, Ryan, 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 Sandra Bullock. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Oh, I've never seen that one either. Yeah, yeah, yeah you would like it. it. It's funny. Good. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. I don't know. I, you know, I I normally stay away from those type of movies. Well, and it, thus, it, there's like know. levels of them. So like yeah. uh, one of the channels that stays playing in our house a lot is the Hallmark Channel. Ugh. And uh, it's like every time I walk in the room, Melanie's that is like, an abomination. Yeah, she's like. Um, <laughs> You can just leave. And I was like, I didn't say anything. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, yeah, but you're going to. I'm watching this movie, and I want to enjoy it. I can't enjoy it with you here. (laughs) That's so funny. Because I immediately start saying, okay, now, is this the guy who's the jerk boyfriend or the old boyfriend who's really her true love? 
that she's reconnecting with. Listen, dude, every single one of those movies is the same plot. It's the girl goes back to her hometown, and she's the busy businesswoman, and she finds the guy that was her high school crush. And he and might secretly like, be Santa Claus. Yeah, we don't, exactly. We, don't, we know. don't know. That's right. <laughs> and ends up, she breaks up with her high flutin' boyfriend in the city and ends up living in the, you know, helping the orphans out in the small town with the with the boyfriend there and it's so i mean you can seriously plot outline every single one of those movies and there's like a hundred of them in one season how did yeah. they do that yeah. like and you know what always gets me is is whenever i see an actor on there that i'm like really fond of like from something that i was watching i'm like mm-hmm. what are they doing they, they, they needed so some money <laughs> they ruined their quiet, life just a quiet year they needed some work. <laughs> like, uh, I remember, and this isn't much better, really, because I watched a schlocky uh, uh, TV series a few years ago called Legend of the Seeker, which was this action-packed, you know, medieval thing. And But the main girl from it, I was watching an episode the other night, and Melanie's like, I know her from something. <laughs> she looks it up and says, sure enough, she's been in Hallmark movies. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, No! <laughs> All right, so we ready to dive into this movie? Well, th- yeah, I was gonna say this one it outshines all of those. Oh, so for sure, for sure. Let's, like, yeah, let's. We, I know we we're digressing. Yes, Sorry, we shouldn't Meredith. put a damper on this because Little Women <coughs> is an actual classic. So let's jump okay, into so, it. <laughs> so yeah, I want to. I want to ask: mm-hmm. Is this your favorite movie? Um, no, I don't think it's my favorite movie, but I, I do love it. Okay. Wow! Yeah. All right, well, let's dive in. All right. This is Meg, Amy, Beth, and Joe. I'm working on a novel. It is a story of my life and my sister's. Make it short and spicy. And if the main character is a girl, make sure she's married by the end. Ow, Joe! I want to be an artist in Rome and be the best painter in the world. That's what you want too, isn't it, Joe? To be a famous writer. Yes, but it sounds so crass when she says it. My girls have a way of getting into mischief. Well, so do I. This is Meg, Amy, Beth, and Joe. I intend to make my own way in the world. No one makes their own way. Least of all a woman. You'll need to marry well. You are not married, aren't you? Well, that's because I'm rich. Joe, would you like to dance with me? I can't because I scorched my dress. And Meg told me to keep still so no one would see it. I have an idea of how we can manage. Joe is a lost cause. So you are your family's hope now. I believe we have some power over who we love. It isn't something that just happens to a person. I think the poets might disagree. We can leave right now. I'll sell stories. Joe. And you, you should be an actress and you should have a life on the stage. Just because my dreams are different than yours doesn't mean they're unimportant. I have loved you ever since I've known you, Joe. I couldn't help it. It would be a disaster if we married. It wouldn't be a disaster. We'd be miserable. We would be a perfect saint. I can't. A new play written by Miss Joe Marsh. Women, they have minds and they have souls as well as just hearts. I want to be great or nothing. And they've got ambition and they've got talent as well as just beauty. And I'm so sick of people saying that love is just all a woman is fit for. I'm so sick of it. 
So, who does she marry? So, yes, today we are covering the 2019 Academy Award-winning film, somewhat, <laughs> Little Women. So, it got, <laughs> Did it, it win Academy Awards? I didn't it, know that. It was nominated all across the board. It lost out to The Parasite for almost everything. What's um, the parasite? A, a foreign film, actually, that that came in and swept everything. But is um, that fair? Must have been a rough well, year for the uh, for the Academy Awards, man. <laughs> well, I gotta say, I haven't seen the parasite, so I can't really judge the two. But I do think that this is a very well made film, and um, we did get a supporting actress Academy Award of it. Laura Dern, I think, won that. Um, and it won costume, best costumes. <laughs> so it snuck in a little bit. Well, the costumes were fabulous. I mean, I know as guys, y'all probably wouldn't have noticed that, but like they were top notch. Because when well, I have that as a theme, I've got it like down here in my notes. Fabric. And <laughs> <laughs> I actually noticed that quite a lot too, especially Joe, um, and what she was wearing throughout the throughout the mm. movie, like yes. the. Uh, I don't know. It, it seemed like she was wearing a uh, like a man's overcoat half, yes. the, half the time. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> kind of like menswear type vibe. Right. Exactly. Long johns. She was wearing like, like the, long johns a lot. The whole thing. So <laughs> I thought that was pretty pretty characteristic, like very well done for her character. So yes. It's pretty smart. But, you know, uh, yeah. So <clears throat> Little Women, what do you think, Meredith? <laughs> Well, and before we get off the um, costume, I read that they made like they made seventy five period costumes for this show that took about forty hours each to make. So they definitely wow did their homework on that. And um, also, each one of the sisters had kind of a color theme. Like if you notice, they were they each had their own vibe kind of throughout that was consistent throughout the whole show. And like Joe's, you know, she wore a lot of red. Right. And blue, which isn't really traditionally not very feminine, so that kind of you know showed her like the sure. red, her vivaciousness and stuff. So um, I just think it was just genius what they did with the costumes. So there's um, so Greta Gerwig was the director mm-hmm. of of the film, and you had a little blurb about that. What was what about her that? Uh, well, well, I just heard some interesting things. Um, about several of the cast members, Greta Gerwig, she says that she was actually very inspired by Louisa May Alcott or by the character of Joe March in Little Women when she was younger, and that's what made her want to be an actress and a producer. And she really, so she was really excited to get to do this version of it. And um, Sarsha Ronan, the girl that played. Um, Joe March. Who that, looks just like your daughter, by she, the way. Yeah, I thought she, she reminded me tons of Landry. Did you think that, Jeremiah, when the you were watching it? The whole way through. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yes. it was it was like Landry. Like, yes, in her personality kind of and everything. Yeah, in every, like in every way. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. So, yeah, so, it was really sweet thinking about that. Yeah, I, I love that, too. And um, so Sersha Ronan had just worked with Greta Gerwig on a play, I mean, a movie called Lady Bird. And huh. when Sersha heard that Greta Gerwig was going to do Little Women, she actually contacted Greta and said, I'm going to be Joe. 
(laughs) And so Greta was like, that's a pretty Joe thing to do. So, (laughs) yeah, I guess you're going to be Joe. (laughs) Great. Isn't that funny? That's amazing. I thought that was great. Wow. Well, it's very, very serious about it. Something. Okay, go ahead. No, I was fixing to say, whenever I watched the film, the first thing that I kind of picked up from it. So first off, confession, Jer. Um, the nineteen ninety four version of Little Women is actually a film I really like too. <laughs> ah, <laughs> like like back then, I bought the VHS tape. Like, <laughs> did you have a crush on Winona Ryder? I did. Winona Ryder. <laughs> I had a cr- I had a crush on Winona Ryder, and of course, uh, and of course, Claire Danes was a little young for me, but she was like, I liked Claire Danes, and uh, <laughs> anyway, I, and Christian Bale. I mean, come on. But anyway, um, he he's not a very good uh, uh, Laurie, though. I, oh, I he's a be- yeah, I thought he was a better Laurie than the guy in this movie. No, but. this guy nailed Laurie. Really, you think so? I had from to grow book. into that. Yeah, like from the book's perspective, I, I don't know. He's just well, I didn't he seems book, so. he seems almost um, autistic. Or uh, as okay. Asperger's. Does I'm that make kind sense? Kind of like a little socially awkward. So, yeah, so he yeah, would have to be like mentally challenged to, to do the stuff or whatever. No, it's just he had that vibe. The way that he, I mean, he doesn't pander at all to social norms. Okay. Does that yeah. make sense? Mm-hmm. Like he, he says what he's going to say and he acts the way he's going to act. He even dresses the way he's going to dress and he doesn't care really what anybody thinks and he's the rich guy which you know it, it just fits for you me you can be so, a little eccentric yeah. if you're the rich rich guy i, I guess you can yeah but i mean so, he's a perfect to me he was a perfect match for joe in this this yes. thing and he does so, kind of have the european kind of look and style right. and everything that yeah. laurie had but one of the things that attracted me to it as i was watching it was the quality of the filmmaking so I was telling yes. Meredith earlier, um, one of the things I, I honestly dislike most modern movies, i got to admit, because most of them are just um, fluff. You know, they're, they're, they're there for like an amusement ride. Uh, they give you thrills and that sort of thing, but they don't tell good stories much anymore. And they're not like full of symbolism and metaphor and existentialism and all the things I like in films. And, mm-hmm. But this movie did that. Like, um, so one of the what? things existentialism, yes, uh, like, okay, go like ahead, the study go of ahead. the human spirit, the study <laughs> of I, I know, <laughs> or in this it. case, transcendentalism <laughs> <laughs> with the Alcott family, <laughs> and that's another thing. I, you know, Alcott blows my mind. She was, she grew up with those great minds, and, I, and she's a good writer, but I didn't, I don't see a lot of theme and symbolism in her work. Okay, so let me well, just hang on. Let me jump into uh, just a little bit. <laughs> well, G.K. So, Chesterton said that this was she anticipated realism by thirty to forty years because everything hmm. she wrote was is realism, like it's <clears throat> okay. You know so what that, I mean? But that's the story. I'm talking about the filmmaking. So okay, like, all right, so, all right, so, okay, so like you. for one for one example <laughs> is um, the the story is told in two parts: a present tense and a past tense. Okay, in the film, she chose to meld the two together. Like you're constantly having these flashbacks between one and the other. And the way it's done, it's done in such a way that she builds comparison and contrast between the past and the future. 
and she builds these characters through what they were and what they are, and she compares things like death to life through the past and the mm-hmm. and the present. Um, she, one of the things I heard as a complaint about it was it was kind of confusing because I didn't know if we were in the present or the past. But they covered that a little bit in the filmmaking in that, uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but the present, um, all, the, all the shots made in the present um, tense are all done with a cool filter. Everything's blues. Even the costumes, all their costumes are blues and purples. Yeah, like, I didn't notice all throughout that. I did the not present tense. That. Mm-hmm. Every time you go into the past, every time there's a past tense, it's warm filter, and they're all wearing reds and oranges, and so it's a different color palette completely between the present and the past. That would and, make sense because the past was <clears throat> happier, yes. like, so brighter, yes. and then so the it was present like a, was more somber, and they were you know dealing with moving death, on, dealing uh-huh. with the loss of well, we'll talk about loss, but mm-hmm. we'll, but dealing with all these things that. Uh, that the story deals with, they presented it through the choreography, through the the choice of the lens filters and everything. Like it's a lot of thought went into the construction of the film, which impresses me. Like that's the type of thing when I see it, I, I'm like, oh, wow, this isn't your normal fare. Like mm-hmm. there's actually been a lot of thought into not only, yeah, they need to be period costumes, but let's make them representative of something. Let's make the color scheme hmm. this so that it represents that. Wow. And, um, and so I liked that. Uh, I also liked the fact that they added a framing mechanism that's not in the book, correct? That's right. So, which is uh, Joe, it About begins with Joe going to a publisher and um, basically she's telling this story, autobiographical, and uh, it kind of ends with... A, an epilogue that was added by the publisher. <laughs> so it's like, uh, I thought that was kind of smart because it was like giving homage to uh, Louisa May Alcott's actual life. Mm, yes. Because she says that she did add the, the marriage of Joe at the behest of her fans. <laughs> yes. She actually, she actually did not want to marry Joe off and she fought it for a long time and so right. many of her fans wanted it but just to be you know her own person she didn't let her marry Laurie so <laughs> spoiler alert all of you who haven't seen it but um, so oh, she decided pops, like that's just a given yeah like watch the show or yeah. read the book before and so she said okay well I'll marry her off but I'm going to do it my own way again that's such a Landry thing that's one of the <laughs> yes. things that keeps me reminds me of Landry so much <laughs> kind of crazy so I, has Landry watched this movie yes or read the books yes uh, I think she read it when she was younger but that's one of the yeah. things I was going to bring up the story is just so timeless like mm-hmm. Landry and Chloe just loved it and of course you know the Laurie and Joe thing just they just it just ripped their heart out too so yes she she did that's she awesome. liked the movie I think that you nail um, you nail on something right there it's super timeless so I mean, even even kids today with technology and everything, they can still read this and the girls, well, especially girls, can identify or find themselves within the book, yes. right? It's relatable. So I think that Alcott's really good at creating relatable characters. She's great at characterization. And the, and the movie, 
Um, I guess we're supposed to be sticking to the movie. But to me, it's like I can't talk. The English teacher in me wants to come out with the, the book because, yes. uh, you know, that's the source. And um, the, There the is movie, a copy of it sitting right here <laughs> on the desk that Meredith her. So the movie does such a good job of showing that that characterization, pulling out the characterization of Alcott, um, which is brilliant. You know, every single one of the characters are well-developed, even within the space of a couple hours, well-developed. So Landry told me that she read that Greta Gerwig actually had the girls have sleepovers with each other so they would grow their bond together. And so, because to me that's a lot of what I enjoy about it is just seeing the girls love, you know, playing and fighting with each other and just their life together. And um, yeah, when they're walking together arm in arm and laughing yeah. and all talking at once, but mm-hmm. all knowing what the other's saying, which <laughs> yeah. for my male brain drove me nuts a couple times <laughs> in this movie. Like I'm like, one at a time. Come on. <laughs> it, it went way too fast for me. Yeah. But, poor uh, Laurie. Yeah. Like he was stuck in the middle of all yeah. of it. Yeah. Poor guy. <laughs> so, um, so I picked up several themes in the in the film that some of them are social, but some of them are theological too. Like I think that there is sure some, um, there is some great depth in some of the um, the spiritual things that are happening. But first, let's talk about social oppression. So that's one of the key themes of the story, especially from um, a female perspective. Uh, in the time frame in which their um, the, the story takes place, um, and it's obvious that that is the focus of the film from Gerwig's perspective. Yes, like she's mm-hmm. really wanting to push the social oppression uh, that that the little women are having to uh, to address. Uh, it shows up from the push to marry uh, for their social standing mm-hmm. and for their economic well being. And all of this sort of thing. And Aunt March is like the matriarch of mm-hmm. the clan. And she's giving all this instruction to all of these uh, young girls about how they need to marry wealthy. And they need to make sure that. So there's all this uh, setting the stage for Joe's uh, rebellious <laughs> type of personality yes that comes into play she wants to write and travel and she says i love my liberty too well to give it up (laughs) she doesn't want to get tied down and not get to pursue her dreams yes and i think the aunt is such a uh, hypocritical character and i think she's portrayed as being a hypocritical character because she herself is so independent Mm. and she doesn't have to worry about it yeah, exactly. But she is she hammers on like even the scene where they're they're walking away from the wedding of uh um the oldest sister, what's her name? Meg. Yeah, Meg. And you know, she she basically lamb blasts Meg for marrying poor <laughs> you know, and and <laughs> basically said my my idiot you know, the, our your mother married my idiot brother in the same way and you know <laughs> It's like she's a jerk, but uh, well, at one point Joe even confronts Aunt March and says, right. "But you're not married," mm-hmm. and she's like, "Yeah, but I'm rich." Yeah, yeah like, exactly. like as if I didn't have to marry <laughs> her. Standing, I already had my funds. So. Yeah, well, I, but I think it's very poignant. Like that that uh, um, is a very driven home topic of the mm-hmm. of the movie itself. Yes. 
Yeah, so you know, you have a point uh, a point in the film where Amy tells Laurie uh, that marriage is basically just an economic decision. Yes. Uh, even though she speaks against it, she's like, I do think we should be able to choose who we marry. That we should be able to to marry for love. But this is the world we live in. Um, and then, of course, you mentioned the fact that Meg married poor, and that was a a faux pas, and, right? And you know, didn't well, show up in her like, aunt's eyes. Right, it was a faux pas. Right. Well, and because the aunt is basically a reflection of society. True. Yeah, I guess so. In the in the film, that's she's the voice of society, basically saying, mm. "Nah, you kind of screwed up on that." <laughs> and in gotcha. fact, she mentions several times, "Oh, so and so has already messed up, so now it's up to you." <laughs> <laughs> like she right. keeps going. Yeah, Joe's from, a lost cause. Yeah, that's what she says. Amy, we're counting on you to keep the family out of the poorhouse. <laughs> right. So um, I got a clip of Amy talking about this. Do we want to? Yeah, I yeah. love that. that. I love that scene. Okay, so let's listen to this. I'm a failure. Joe is in New York being a writer, and I'm a failure. That's quite a statement to make at twenty. Well, Rome took all the vanity out of me, and Paris made me realize I'd never be a genius, so I'm giving up all my foolish artistic hopes. Why should you give up, Amy? You have so much talent Talent and isn't genius, and no amount of energy can make it so. I want to be great or nothing, and I will not be some commonplace dauber, and I don't intend to try anymore. What women are allowed into the club of geniuses, anyway? The Brontes? Hmm. That's it? Yes, I think so. And they will always declare as genius. Men, I suppose. They're cutting down the competition. <laughs> That's a very complicated argument to make me feel better. Do you, though? Do you feel better? I do think, male or female, I am of middling talent. Middling talent. May I ask your last portrait be of me? All right. Now that you've given up all your foolish artistic hopes, mm-hmm. what are you going to do with your life? Polish up all my other talents and become an ornament to society. Mm, that's where Fred Vaughn comes in, I suppose. Don't make fun. I said his name. <laughs> You're not engaged, I hope. No. But you will be if he goes down properly on one knee. Most likely, yes. He's rich, richer than you, even. I understand Queens of Society can't get on without money, although it does sound odd from the mouth of one of your mother's girls. <laughs> I've always known I would marry rich. Why should I be ashamed of that? It's nothing to be ashamed of, as long as you love him. Well, I believe we have some power over who we love. It isn't something that just happens to a person. I think the poets might disagree. Well, I'm not a poet. I'm just a woman. And as a woman, there's no way for me to make my own money. Not enough to earn a living or to support my family. And if I had my own money, which I don't, that money would belong to my husband the moment we got married. And if we had children, they would be his, not mine. They would be his property. So don't sit there and tell me that marriage isn't an economic proposition because it is. Okay, so what do you think about Amy's um, take on all of this? I just think Amy is just the bomb. I, she's so wise and deep, and it's so funny because 
in the other films, I couldn't stand her. And in the book, you know, she's always made out to be a brat. But it's really true what she says. And she articulates it so well. And, um, I mean, it's sad, but it's true. Mm-hmm. You know. So what, what does she articulate well? Like, what is, what is she saying in that? She's that basically passage? saying that a woman cannot make it on her own. And she has to marry. And so she has to be smart about who she marries. Right. Which is very interesting. And it's so this is a period piece, obviously, right? Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. showing um, the the 1800s and how women had to basically fend for themselves. And this has been true for thousands of years. Would you say it's different in today's society than it was in the 1800s? Oh, yeah, for sure. Because now so, women can just go have their own career and they're not looked down upon, you right. know. And there's also a lot more opportunities. Yeah. Whereas so I, back then there were very limited well, educational it, opportunities to begin with. And, you right. know, uh, women's um, roles have been kind of an ongoing thing on the theonauts like <laughs> like we've actually had we've had probably two or three episodes about it and mm-hmm. uh, the most recent with your daughter and uh, so <laughs> so i think that the that jesus actually portrays a a value in in women that wasn't popular in his day and i think it rings true for the period of this piece as well, that um, that women were seen as ornaments and baby bearers more so than being valued for their mind or for their talents. And it's like every one of these characters has a lot to offer. Yes, like they they all have a mm-hmm. lot of value to society that they can provide. All right, so- society would let them. So there's something that that I didn't like about the movie that I wish they would have brought out better, and that's the character of Meg. In the in the movie, uh, they they did okay with the idea that I mean they didn't give Meg a whole bunch of screen time, which to me was a good thing because Alcott <laughs> out of out of all the Little Women, I think Alcott picked on Meg, and what I really? mean by that is yes, yeah, so she is the prettiest. Supposed to be the prettiest of all the little women, right? Mm-hmm. And she's she's the oldest, and she's the uh, the keep in line one, right? She's the she's the one that was basically uh, in charge whenever mom was away, yes. like the one that made sure that the. But she's, she's the also, oldest. Yes, but she's also very much like she's the one that actually coined the term "little women" in the in the in the book, right? She wants to she wants them to be little women. That's her goal. Right, and then, then she's the first to get married, and granted, she marries for love instead of wealth, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. But she still marries, and she doesn't have a unique individual character, um, whereas the other ones are a lot more fleshed out. For example, Joe is a writer, right? She has the individual talent of writing and she's amazing at it you know you have amy who who wants to be the artist right and so she has that that talent of artistry and that's something that she follows as a passion meg isn't passionate 
Well, do you see that? They didn't give her a lot of time on that. You're right, because she she did like the acting. She liked acting and she liked the theater. But you're right, they didn't right. they didn't spend too much time on that. They didn't flesh it out. And th- and then the whole scene where Joe is the the one thing I like in the movie is where Joe's talking to her about let's see, it's her wedding day, and they're like let's just run away, let's run away right now, right? <laughs> <laughs> and Meg's like, but I, I want to get married. This is what I want to do, you know? Right. I, I want to be married, and I want to have kids, and I just want to settle down, you know? And Alco- in, the, in the book, anyway, it almost looks like Meg is vilified to a certain extent. Really? See, I kind of saw it in a different way. Really? Go ahead, go ahead and finish your thought. Well, I, I just think that Alcott <laughs> is so anti-traditionalist. As far as and and she's very uh, politically forward with women um, being being individuals, right? And and being individuals um, in society and being allowed to do what whatever they want instead of you know she's anti you know uh, she's well, ver- she's very much liberation. Okay, but that's exactly why I like what they did with Meg in this because the day that she got married, she had that conversation with Joe and Joe was trying to tell her, no, don't get married, you're ruining everything. And Meg said, hey, this is my dream. And just because it's not your dream doesn't mean it's not important. So, you know, let me, this is what I want. I want a husband and a family. And if you don't want that, that's okay. But this is what I want. And so... I saw it totally opposite for you. I saw it as Alcott was saying, hey, Joe wants to be a writer. Go be a writer, Joe. Amy wants to be a painter. Go paint. Meg wants to get married. Okay, go get married. You choose that. That's your choice. Beth just wanted to hang around at home. That's okay, too. So (laughs) I guess I saw it as that Alcott was saying, hey, there's room for all of everyone this. can choose what they want and yeah. and it's okay. Well, and I think it plays it plays into that That's theme good. too, the fact that when Meg married, she didn't marry for status. She didn't marry oh, for economics. Yeah. So she didn't So do, she didn't really one hundred percent She wasn't a follow the she she followed pattern. her heart and it included marriage, but it right. was married to the wrong person. Yeah. Um so uh and and so in addition to the social thing, though, one of the things I love about the show is the, the theme of sacrifice. So we see mm. something that's embedded into each one of these girls is caring and loving for others over themselves. So it helps that their father happened to be a chaplain in the Northern Army. And I mm-hmm. think that uh, what well, we know through... Uh, the letters and things of this nature, we know that he has instilled in them this value of other people and that uh, that they should be self-sacrificing. And there are mm-hmm. some moments where they don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Like you can tell, and this is human nature, we yes. all are this. So it's like they don't want to necessarily give up what they have for somebody else. But like Christmas breakfast. Right. Yes, that was so good. I love the way you could see the struggles in their faces, yes. which you know we would all be the exact same way. Yeah. We'd all be like, I just want to sit here in my pajamas and eat my cinnamon rolls. 
Right. I don't want to get dressed and go take something to someone they on got Christmas this morning. Beautiful <laughs> breakfast, and they had to give it away. And but what? And they did struggle with it. Yeah. What did they say? They they were like, "What would Father say? Mm-hmm. What would he he would tell us? Is this where you tell us?" They were talking to mommy, and they were like, "Is this where you would tell us? This is what Dad would want us to do." Do it for someone else. And but then they actually go and do it. And I love the way it's filmed because it's almost this silent scene watching them play with the sick kids and the poor kids and enjoying mm-hmm. their selves. They were very blessed by yes, it. Yes. Yeah. They actually were getting a lot out of that self sacrificing moment. And there was a moment in here, and this is where, to me, where the filmmaking is just spot on. So there's a moment when they're walking from their house with all of this breakfast to the the Hummels, Hummels mm-hmm. is, uh, to their home to give them this, and they walk past a church. And this is obviously like Sunday morning because there's people walking into the church. But <laughs> to worship. To worship. But who's really worshiping? Right. So but the but yeah. the girls are going to be Jesus. Yes. I I, I caught the irony in that. I was yes. like, they're going to church while the March girls are going to feed the poor on Christmas I, morning. Just yes. now my mind's blown. I didn't even think about that. Isn't that That's awesome? Yeah. Yes. It's That's so striking. Yeah. yeah. Like I was on the floor when direction. I saw that. I was like, dang. <laughs> <laughs> wow, well, that was know, genius. You know what's crazy? In my mind, I was thinking it's Sunday or it's Christmas. Why aren't they going to Mass? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Whenever I saw that church and the people going in and out of it, that I didn't even think about the fact that that was the that was the message they were sending, mm-hmm. which is and, brilliant. Yeah, and they were actually the ones who were worshiping. Yeah, because right. they were. It was like loving the, people. Yes, and yeah. enjoying it, and mm-hmm. and seeing that this isn't just duty. Like there is life in this. Like what sure. they were were doing, and so I find that. Each one of these uh, little women has their own level of sacrifice that they are sacrificing uh, themselves for. Um, so, Meg, we talked about the fact that Meg married poor mm-hmm. in in the social uh, situation. That was a sacrifice. Um, at one point, she had bought some material to make herself. A dress, mm-hmm. and she and spent way too much money on it, which was another topic that we'll get to in a little bit. But so she spends too much money on this, but then what does she do? She sells it. She sells it, mm-hmm. and it's like so that sacrifice, that sense of sacrifice, is there in in Meg. Uh, we see it also, obviously, in in Joe. Joe leaves for New York to support her family. She sacrifices a potential loving relationship with Laurie. Um, and she even sacrifices her hair. Gave up her hair. <laughs> Joe, you're one beauty. <laughs> so, yeah, she, so she sells her hair. That's so and, good. And what's funny is Joe is like the type of person who's like not um, uh, ex externally beautiful in her mind. Like she's not, she's not trying to impress anybody with her beauty. Right. But 
I love the scene after she sells her hair and she comes in and everybody was like, oh, Joe. And everybody's like loving on her for it and all this sort of thing. But then the next scene, she's sitting out in the hallway by herself crying. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it really did hurt her. It really was yeah. a sacrifice. Yes. So it's like the this it, it, that was a picture of no, this wasn't just her manning up. This was her, this came from her heart, and this was something that really hurt mm-hmm. for her to do. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was, I thought that was brilliant. I think the backdrop of, of the, the story, too, the Civil War being a, a sacrifice of the nation, like um, mm-hmm. whenever their mom is uh, in the, um, handing out blankets. Yeah, right? and she gives her own scarf to the man. To the man yes. who just lost. Yes. Five or two out of the five of his sons, and the other ones are in prison and stuff. It's just such a a beautiful picture of. But I think that's that's part of the realism uh, that Alcott's really good at. Was you know just getting this is this is the reality of it's life, gritty. especially at this time period. And it's not and easy in a right. time where everyone is struggling right. to be self sacrificing. In that time, is it's a even worse. is a picture of the heart and. Um, so Amy, Amy just got through giving us this speech about how she has to marry for economic reasons, right? But what does she do? She turns Fred down. Mm-hmm. She, Even though she doesn't have a for sure thing with Laurie. Right, yet. right. So that's a sacrifice. Like she had an opportunity and Aunt March doesn't understand it at all. Mm-hmm. Like she, <laughs> she takes great exception to that decision. Well, and that, you know, that shows that even though she has this idea about marriage and how it's going to have to be, she still doesn't want to completely sell out. Mm-hmm. You know, she still wants to be in love with her husband. And mm-hmm. while we're on Amy, let me just say, Florence Pugh, 100% on this acting job. I oh, just, yeah. Didn't y'all think she was fabulous? I mean... yeah. So perfect in every way. And um, she had actually just finished filming Midsummer, which I haven't seen, but it's a horror movie. Yeah. Like, and two days later, she was on the set of this. <laughs> and she said it was therapy for her after <laughs> filming that horror movie. Because that, that movie's about like a cult or something. Yeah, like, something yeah. like that. But in here, she's just so genteel and lovely. And so, but I just think she is such a great actress. Well, I. I have to agree because uh, something you said earlier that really um, gets me on this is the fact that I agree that, like, for example, I said I like the 1994 version, mm-hmm. but in that version, I did not like Amy. Well, yeah, they didn't make her as likable. They pointed out more of her faults. All her flaws. Yes. And so I always saw Amy as the bratty character yes, in, me the, too. in the story. I always hated her. This movie made... Amy very approachable and very lovable and a lot of that is the direction and the screenplay but mm-hmm. but on top of that it's also uh, the performance mm-hmm. so very and they did focus good. quite a bit on her which I know Jeremiah you were saying they kind of left Meg out yeah well they focused a lot on her faults around the ball and everything too but right. we can yeah we can talk about her more later what are we talking about now? <laughs> uh, oh, I got one more on sacrifice. Sacrifice, yeah. So, um, I'll make sure I'm not missing any clips here. <laughs> yeah. So, um, 
the, the sacrifice of Beth. Oh, we can't talk about sacrifice without talking about Beth. She gave the ultimate sacrifice. So, yes, and here's the thing that I love about Beth. In a way, Beth is a Christ character mm-hmm. in the story. Like, she is very self-sacrificing. She's also, in the words of her sisters, perfect. That's true. They kept talking about how they wish they could be more like her. And honestly, having watched it like two or three times now, I don't see any character flaws in Beth. There's character flaws all over these other girls. Mm-hmm. But uh, but Beth is only displayed, like, obviously, she's a human. She's got flaws. Mm-hmm. But she's portrayed in a flawless way. We don't, we don't see any of her flaws. But what does she do? Um, this Hummel thing, mm-hmm. taking care of this family is a big thing for her. She keeps going back and keeps going back, even though they're, they're taken with illness and mm-hmm. uh, it's dangerous to her health. She still goes. Right. And that's, ultimately, that's what takes her life. Yes. And, and the other girls were too busy or had other things going on. They didn't feel like going to help, and she did. And she ended up getting sick. So, yeah. Yeah. She's a picture of grace and that. love all through the show. Um, was she, uh, in, the, in the film, was she the youngest in the film? Yes. Well, they never said. I think Amy's actually, yeah, Amy's the youngest. Amy's supposed to be the youngest, but I, I couldn't tell. It seemed hmm. like. She they seemed younger, her as didn't the youngest. she? Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know if they meant to or not, but that was that was an interesting thing hmm. for me. If you know, I maybe because the way she acted, I I right. probably uh, I have to agree. I think that she was kind of portrayed as the yeah. youngest. I just kind of yeah. got that, kind of like the but, like the baby, the family. One. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's true. But I will say uh, there was another metaphorical thing for Beth for me in that whenever she did die. Even though that's a tragedy for the family and all this, we see some amazing things happen as a result of her death. We see that unify the family. The family comes together uh, over this. In fact, Joe's relationship with... Amy. uh, uh, No, uh, the guy, Frederick. Or what? Oh, well, a- Amy for sure. That mm-hmm. was that was one yes. thing that bought that that mm-hmm. that healed some stuff between, especially given the Laurie thing. Mm-hmm. Like that healed um, something between them, and it also brought Joe to Frederick. He or is it Frederick? Is yeah, it? Frederick Bauer. So he he wouldn't have been there and on the scene and in the, all of that whenever the relationship between Joe and Frederick even though it's contrived and added <laughs> to make the story, that wouldn't have happened without Beth's death. So Beth is like, her death completes things, and it, like, it, it, it has a healing power, almost like a resurrection of sorts. Hmm. So I did see some Christ imagery in, in some of that. Hmm. That's good. Leave it to you to pull out Christ imagery from Little Woman. <laughs> oh, I've that's, got more. That's, so. very, that's very interesting to me. I... <laughs> that blows that. my mind. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. So, um, one of the things that um, you wanted to talk about was loss, right? Yes. As a, the theme, as a theme. Yeah, just um, the loss of their childhood. You know, that was a big part of Joe not wanting May to get married because she realized nothing's ever going to be the same. You know, so. There was that, and then, um, of course, the loss of Beth. Just the inevitability of change, you know. Mm-hmm. 
we've all had that when you have this time in your life when everything's great and you just you love the way things are but then they change and it's sad you have to grieve that like a friend moving away um or going off to college even though it's fun and exciting you still have to grieve the loss of your high school years and your living at home and all that so i thought that was another big theme mm. so uh one big loss in my opinion is Laurie's. <laughs> yeah so the worst loss so um so obviously Laurie has kind of been in tow with all these girls yeah he's like their brother <laughs> and uh but he is head over heels for joe and um but he's been waiting like he's trying to time all this out and then in this one moment in the in the show he pops the question more or less like he just with a look (laughs) i think she knew it was coming (laughs) oh she definitely knew it was coming because he he like she's like no she's like what are you talking about and he doesn't even say a word he's just looking at her Mm -hmm. and she's like no 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 don't go there (laughs) so well and they knew that eventually would have to come out at some point and it's such a Oh, it's such a heart-wrenching scene. Yes. So I have the clip, so why don't we play that? Okay. I can't bear it. (laughs) Amy off to Europe. And now that you're a graduate, you'll be off on a long holiday. It's not good like Beth, so I'm angry and I'm restless. You don't have to stay here, Joe. Why should we run off and join a pirate ship? No, no. It's no use, Joe. Joe, we've got to have it out. I have loved you ever since I've known you, Joe. I couldn't help it. And and I tried to show and you wouldn't let me, which is fine. But I must make you here now and give me an answer because I cannot go on like this any longer. I gave up billiards. I gave up everything you didn't like. I'm happy I did. It's fine. And I waited and I never complained because I... You know, I figured you'd love me, Joe. And I realize I'm not half good enough, and I'm oh, not this great yes, man. And yes, yes, you are. You're a great deal too good for me, and, I, and I'm and i so grateful to you, and I'm so proud of you. And I just, I don't see why I can't love you as you want me to. I don't know why. You can't? No. I can't, I can't change how I feel, and it would be a lie to say I do when I don't. I'm so sorry, but I just can't help it. I can't love anyone else, Joe. I only love you. Teddy, it would be a disaster if we it married. It wouldn't be a okay? disaster. We'd be miserable. Joe, Joe I'd be a perfect I can't. Saint. I can't. I've tried it and I've failed. Why does everyone I expect can't. it then? Why does your family and my grandpa expect it? Why are you saying this? Say yes. Let's <laughs> be happy together, Joe. I can't say yes truly, so I'm not going to say it at all. And you'll see that I'm right eventually, and you'll thank me for it. I would rather hang myself and realize this, Joe. Teddy. I would rather be dead. Teddy, don't say that. Teddy. Listen, you'll find some lovely, accomplished girl who will love you and adore you, and and she's going to make a fine mistress for your fine house, but I wouldn't, all right? Look at me. I'm homely, and I'm awkward, and I'm odd. And you'd be ashamed of me. I love you, Joe. And we would Mm. quarrel, because we can't help it even now. 
I'd hate elegant society, you'd hate my scribbling, and we would be unhappy, and we'd wish we hadn't done it, and everything would be horrid. Anything more? <laughs> no, nothing more. All right. Except that... Teddy, I don't believe I will ever marry. I'm happy as I am. I love my liberty too well to be in any hurry to give it up. I think you're wrong about that, Joe. No. I think you will marry, Joe. I think you'll find someone and love them, and you will live and die for them because that's your way, and you will. No, watch. Okay, so wipe the tears. <laughs> Meredith's over here crying. So, oh, um, that's so hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that, uh, just a footnote, is the first thing she says is, I'm not good like Beth. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I heard that that time. Yeah. So it's like she's there's con- this constant ongoing Beth goodness mm-hmm. thing. But I'm angry and I'm restless. <laughs> yes. So what are, you, what, are your, what are your thoughts on this scene, Meredith? It's the worst scene and the best scene. No, it's the worst. It's not the best. It had to happen, but uh, it just tears your heart out. Oh, it's awful. It's pretty humiliating for him. And it's just, uh, you know, it's so sad because you want them so much. To, it's just natural you want them to be together. But, you know, for some reason, Joe holds out. Well, and, and I think that it's uh, it's interesting to me that Laurie knows her better sh- than she knows herself. Ooh, that's true. And I think that comes out in this because uh, she's she's throwing up all the reasons why it wouldn't work, and they're all excuses. None of them are realistic. And and every time she says one, he says, "I love you," mm-hmm. and then she says, "But we'll quarrel. I love you, but you'll." I won't like your fancy balls and you won't like my scribbling. I love you. Like she's missing the entire point of Mm -hmm. what he's trying to tell her. And I think what it is, is I think that she is so consumed with not being caged into society's role that they have for women that she's missing out on what her heart was really trying to tell her. And mm-hmm. what her real uh, personality was. So it's a huge loss. And then I think she realizes that in in great pain and anguish. Whenever she's finally ready to go, okay, you know, I can I can get with Lori, and and she finds out that that he's already married Amy, which is like, yeah, ugh, like even worse, <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> so, and then how do you deal with that as a sister? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> that's crazy. Well, because on one hand, she can't really complain. Yeah, she because she Because she had her opportunity with him. That's right. And, and she blew it. Down. And this has been, what, several years, right? Probably a couple of years because yeah. she was gone to Europe for a long time. Yeah. So she, right. so she had this opportunity. But um, one more big moment of forgiveness on Joe's part, you know. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about Amy burning the novel, but oh yes, go talk ahead. Talk about Joe having to forgive Amy so many <laughs> times. 
that, I think well, that's I mean, another big thing. She even saved theme. her life, which is like, ugh. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. I don't, I don't have to forgive you. I saved your life. <laughs> I still hate you forever. <laughs> she but, didn't uh, say, I'll hate you forever. Yeah. So. That's another big theme of the movie was forgiveness, you know. Mm, very good. Because the mom actually was angry at the dad for being gone and leaving them mm-hmm. almost penniless. She said that in one scene. She said, now I can be mad at you in person instead of <laughs> from afar. Right. And I think when she was talking to Joe that night about her own character flaws, she said, I'm angry nearly every day of my life. Huh. And I think one of those things was she was angry at the father. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, So now I have that clip. Do you want to... I think we should well, listen to that because it, it segues so well into this idea of character flaws to me, mm-hmm. which is one of the big the big things of this movie yeah. is how they how they get past and connect in community mm-hmm. uh, in the midst of all these character flaws, right? Yes. And okay. a lot of it so the has scene, to do with forgiveness. So yeah. the, the scene takes place right after. Amy was being a brat. Well, first off, Amy burned the book. And then Amy Because was, she was mad at Joe. And Joe was still upset about this. And oh, Amy, it was that night, yeah. And Amy was being a brat and wanted to follow them and then fell in the pond. And uh, so this is afterward, after they pull Amy out of the pond. When I get into passion, I get so savage. I could hurt anyone, and I'd enjoy it. You remind me of myself. But you're never angry. I'm angry nearly every day of my life. You are? I'm not patient by nature. But with nearly 40 years of effort, I'm learning to not let it get the better of me. I'll do the same then. I hope you'll do a great deal better than There are some natures too noble to curb and too lofty to bend. Okay. So, so I love this phrase um, that she says at the, at the end of that clip. There are some natures that are too noble to curb and too lofty to bend. Um, so <laughs> I see a picture of total depravity. In what she's saying, you Calvinist! <laughs> How dare you! <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but it, but it's, it's basically what she's saying is that we all have these character flaws. Like these are built inside of us, and just because you don't see my flaws doesn't mean I don't have them. And in fact, I struggle with this every single day. And as a mom having to take care of the kids, she can't let the kids see that side of her. So this is a very poignant moment between mother and daughter, too, because she's opening up herself in a way Mm -hmm. that she had not ever done before. And at the same time, it was a point of maturity for Joe because Joe gets to see another side of her mom that she hasn't been used to seeing as a child. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and to realize she's not the only one that struggles. Right, which is a very important message for kids, by the way, mm-hmm. that are struggling with things, is to know that they're not alone in it and to see that there are other people struggling with the, with the exact same 
problems that mm-hmm. they have. So she's struggling to forgive Amy for burning her book. And then later in the film, she also has to forgive Amy for marrying Laurie. <laughs> yes. Which, I mean, she does her have to Amy forgive her. Like <laughs> so, and I, I'm like you, Jeremiah. I saw throughout the whole movie one of the big themes, which it's refreshing to see the theme of the movie was people wanting to be virtuous and people wanting to have character instead of, I mean, obviously, like, they want to be pretty and they want to not be poor mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. just like all of us. But they also, the overarching idea was they did want to be people of character and charity yes. and love. And so I thought that was a really good scene because, oh, you know, we're studying the Sermon on the Mount right now. And in this scene, Joe is so poor in spirit. Ah, she very good. just lays her heart out there and she says, sometimes I'm so savage I could hurt someone and enjoy it. You know, mm-hmm. she recognizes that about herself, and she hates it. Yes. <laughs> and she right. feels so helpless to change. Sure. And um, I just, it's such a good picture of, of being poor in spirit. In fact, she's uh, like that a lot. She has a temper, and she messes up, but then she feels bad about it, and she wants to love people better. Right. And... Um, I see that a lot like Meg. Oh, when Meg spent the money on the fabric, like y'all as a girl, <laughs> that just was, I think I could so identify with that because. So it hit home for you. Yeah. yeah like entitled and I, you know, I want to have pretty stuff like everyone else. And you know, why can't I have this? And I'm pouting because mm-hmm. I can't have that. And then you just, you see that in yourself and you're just like, oh, that's just sickening, <laughs> sickening to see that in myself. And, um, and her, like at the, when she goes to the debutante ball, yes, she knows that it's kind of a yucky way to be, but she's also kind of enjoying it. So sure, yes. there's all this inner struggle between, I see all this superficial nature in myself, but mm-hmm. I know that I need to try to curb that for you know, a better way of loving people right? and a better way of being in the world rather than it just being all about me. I love that um, one of uh, this phrase points to that so well. When mom says there are some natures too noble to curb, what does that actually mean? Well, nobility was important to all of them. Like in society. So you mentioned Meg at the debutante ball. Mm-hmm. That's a noble thing, right? And and so it was like we can't curb that. We have this desire to fit in, and we must uh, adhere to the social um, uh, norms. But what I find very intriguing about all of these girls, well, except for Beth, <laughs> is that they all struggle with these natures that are too noble to curb yet what we see is we see them curbing them we see them bending them we see them doing the exactly what mom says is not able to be done hmm. um so a, a good example meg is probably the perfect example for me in this because one of the themes in the in the show that i think kept popping up was envy like mm-hmm. there there is a 
there's a running theme of envy. Meg is the most apparent because she's constantly saying, um, you know, if we had servants, we wouldn't have to do this. You know, (laughs) why do we have to do this on Christmas whenever everybody else is doing that? Like, and then the debutante ball is is a perfect example. She's telling, well, not the debutante uh, debutante ball, but the the thing before that, the party, yeah, that that she's all excited about, and her, her hair gets messed up before the show or before the thing, and she's all, I can't even. Oh, the dance at the I, very beginning. Yeah, I can't even go now. <laughs> and her and Joe go to this thing, and she's telling Joe the entire time, "Don't screw this up. Here's what you have to do." Like she is needing acceptance she's needing to fit in she's wanting so much to be what society is expecting she envies that mm. and but what we what we end up seeing in her is the sacrifices we talked about earlier she married poor she sells yep. the garments that mm. are the fabric that she buys so she curbs the she curbs those noble um those noble instincts that uh, are inside of her. And, of course, we see this through all the girls as, as well. Um, in those sacrifices we talked about, they are all curbing their own depravity and their own human nature uh, through them. Well, they, and they know, that, they know that they need help with that. So um, we have another clip here that we haven't covered yet. And maybe we missed it. Um, it's the one that deals with, um, well, we talked about the forgiveness of Joe and Amy. But that also leads to this whole conversation about um, about Joe's outlook on things. And she's having a conversation with her mom in the attic about, uh, and it turns back to the women's role thing. And I think this is a good picture of what she is feeling trapped about. And so, Jeremiah, you mentioned earlier how she kind of has a change of heart. And so this, mm-hmm. is, this is the scene that kind of uh, pushes that envelope. So I thought we would talk about this scene a little bit. It's a, it's a relatively short one, but it's powerful in what Joe has to tell uh, her mom. Is this the scene where she is saying she regrets saying no to Lori? Yes. Okay, here we go. Lori's returning, you know. Oh, he is? Mm. There's a letter from Amy. She's coming home. She's devastated about Beth. Aunt Marsh is very ill, so Lori will accompany them. That's good of him. Mm. What is it? I don't know. I've always been quite content with my family. Don't understand it. Perhaps, um, perhaps I was too quick in turning him down. Laurie. Do you love him? If he asked me again, I think I would say yes. Do you think he'll ask me again? But do you love him? I care more to be loved. I want to be loved. That is not the same as loving. 
I know. You know, I just, I just feel, I just feel like women, they, they have minds and they have souls as well as just hearts and they've got ambition and they've got talent as well as just beauty and I'm so sick of people saying that that love is just all a woman is fit for I'm so sick of it but I'm I'm so lonely hmm. all right so it's one of those make you cry moments too was that That's your favorite scene Jeremiah <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I, it's just so, it's so real. Mm-hmm. I, I just keep going back to, that's my biggest thing about this whole book, movie, everything. It's it's very real. Mm-hmm. Um, and that whole, I'm so tired of being lonely mm-hmm. scene. You know what I mean? It's just, it's gripping because mm-hmm. here she is and she's fighting for these ideals of, you know, <laughs> Women's kind of like women's rights, or you know, uh, mm-hmm. independence, being who she she wants to be, and yet at the same time, there's a cost to it, mm-hmm. and it's this this loneliness, this feeling that she has to abandon something else in in order to to do this thing, right? Yeah. Well, and I think again. There's a misunderstanding on her part. She's so focused on not being caged in it that she's not, she's denying herself love. Mm-hmm. And for her ideal. Because, she, yes, because she sees love as a trapping, mm-hmm. in, constraining. And so that's why she, I, I believe she doesn't give a straight answer whenever mom keeps saying, but do you love him? I think she just doesn't want to admit she would love any man mm. because of her idealis- her idealism. Yeah. Um, she equates that. She equates it to weakness. She equates it to uh, subjection. And, and she doesn't equate it to belonging. And she doesn't equate it to loneliness. Mm. Like she's having a hard time dealing with the fact that on this hand, I'm lonely. On this hand, I can't love somebody. <laughs> And so it's like th- those two things aren't uh, aren't jiving. And I think that you know, it had given. She said, you know, if he asked me again, I would say yes. I think that's a good resolution because yeah. she realizes that she needs something, and I think she would have realized that's exactly what she needed after all and that she did love him she obviously loves him because of the, we see it all we see it all through the whole um through the whole show mm-hmm. right and it's it's through losing him that that she's able to open up and be authentic about that and uh be able to to let go of that the ideology oh and um, yeah and to love again and to love yeah, that's I hadn't right thought about that that the loss of him makes her realize she does want to love Right. And be like um, that scene where she's, you know, standing on the bridge tearing up the note that she had written to him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh is I think this is a this is a pivotal turning point in her in her life, right? And it's only after that that she's able to fulfill that longing through um through her eventual husband and you know, and then see her dream realized in publishing a book and opening a school and 
I mean, yes. she gets it all in the end because yes. she's able to open up, which is it's pretty cool. Showing that, so. that, that the two aren't mutually exclusive, that love right. can be had as well as independence. Yeah. And that it's not, it, one's not a, uh, a deterrent from the other. Exactly. They, mm-hmm. I, I th- Ideally. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, Alcott, growing up in the environment she had, you know, she was an idealist. and mm-hmm. But it's those people that work for change and help change to come about. Mm-hmm. So sure. Even though it might not have been possible for everyone back then, sometimes it did work out. Yeah. And again, you know, the whole realism thing for me with Alcott is, is probably the most beautiful aspect of this entire thing the the fact that god is the author of all this right mm-hmm. and our lives seem un- mundane these are not mm-hmm. this this is not a story with a, for a better word this is not a story with a plot <laughs> <laughs> i just say that but it's it, just there their life no, this there is no clear uh protagonist no clear antagonist no you know, no story arc. There's no hero's journey in this, really, honestly. Mm-hmm. It is it is life. Yes. The whole thing played out, you know? But there's and character so growth. There's characterization and growth through this life. Mm-hmm. And there are, there are little sub-things that are going on. But it's very much Seinfeld. Yes. What I mean by that <laughs> About is, nothing. <laughs> yes. And, and, but there's beauty in it because of that. Yes. I think that this... Uh, this idea of our lives are beautiful and they have deep meaning if we think about, you know, what's simply just going on around us. Mm-hmm. There's beauty in the mundane, and, and God is the author of that. And I think that's oh. that's such a beautiful thing to me in yes, this, this story. That, norma- that is really good. Normality. There's nothing wrong with normality. Mm-hmm. Right. That there's you don't have to be exceptional. Yeah. To uh, to be beautiful, and you know yeah. there are, there are several places where Laurie. So Laurie, in my opinion, is the model of the Holy Spirit in in the story. Interesting. He, he's the one. He's the one who's constantly encouraging the girls. Oh yeah, when they're, I get that. When they're struggling with something, that's true. He steps he pops in, in and he yeah. steps in to guide them. So, like Meg, for example, Meg. This at, isn't at, you. <laughs> so uh, Meg at the debutante ball, he's the one who who says, "I don't like your dress." But I think you're pretty, mm. and and so even though she, it made her mad, like because he's like, why are you Daisy? Like why are you acting like somebody that you're not? Right. Like he's the one who mm. who was calling her back in, into into normality. And then also go back to um, to Joe at the at the party. So Joe's like, I'm not allowed to dance because my dress is scorched, and he's like. We can dance out here. Like I don't like I don't mind. And so they they have this dance on the porch, which is actually a better dance than what was happening inside because they're cutting loose and they're having a great time. She's being right. her true self with him. Yes, she's opening up. She's not putting on a face. She's not mm-hmm. acting uh in this situation. She is truly enjoying herself. And so he's being um the Holy Spirit in that. Like he's he's guiding her to better uh, to better life I love that because um, to me like when she's with Laurie she gets to be her truest self mm-hmm. like she gets to run and skate and dance and be silly and 
And so when she's with him, she she is the she's her the, true self. the one that she wants to be and her true self that her heart longs to be. And so that is so true about the Holy Spirit. Like when we're united with Him, then we are the the true self that we are created to be. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of funny because she she thinks He's going to constrain her. She right. thinks His love will imprison her. And isn't that so true about the way a lot of people the think about God. Spirit. Like, yes. well, you know, if I have a relationship with God, then I'm not going to have any freedom and no I'm not going to be able to do this and I can't do that. Mm. When actually the opposite is true. Mm-hmm. He allows us to be more ourselves than we could ever be. And so, yeah, that's such a great um, and, and analogy. Isn't the Holy Spirit constantly pushing on us going, I love you. Yes, but I'm going to be this and you're going to hate me. No, but I love you. Like, it's the exact same thing we heard on the side of the hill whenever Laurie was basically proposing. So he was basically saying, no, we would be great together. And I, I do think he would, I think his love would have set her free. Mm-hmm. I think he would have let her be everything she wanted to be. Oh, of course. Yeah, because he supported her in everything. Mm-hmm. Like, he's showing up at the, and acting in their little plays. Like, he's he is interacting with them in their daily lives, which I think is a perfect picture of how the Holy Spirit Wow, that, that's so deep. So, um, oh, man. And there is so much to talk about, but I think we're kind of running out of time. Did you, did you have any other... <laughs> any um, last thoughts? Any, any things you had to get out? Well, I just wanted to just comment on how beautiful the movie is. I'm so glad I got to see it on the big screen because mm-hmm. several scenes just were look like beautiful paintings. I mean, yeah. Greta Gerwig's eyes... Just amazing to me. Yeah, like they looked like a painting you would see hanging in a museum, like the right. scene where um, Fred is proposing to Amy, for instance, or the beach scene, the first beach yes. scene when they're all happy and with the hats, and you yeah. know, just that um, late eighteen hundreds vibe, and sure. the scene. Where um, Joe and Beth are on the beach together later when Beth is sick, and it pans back and and Beth is saying, you know, you can't stop it. She's talking about her dying. She said, you can't stop it. It's like the tide going out. You can't stop it. Mm. And when the when they back off, you see the wind blowing the sand towards you. Yes, in your face, which yeah, I couldn't really see it that well when I was watching it on my TV, but. Just the visual beauty of this entire movie is over the top. Okay, so you spun me up. I got to actually feed off of that. (laughs) (laughs) So so from a filmmaking perspective, another thing she does is what we call parallelism. parallelism. So it's where you have two scenes that connect a thought. And the beach scene is perfect. There's a beach scene in the past and there's a beach scene in the present. The beach scene in the past... Is all fun and games. It's life. Mm-hmm. It's actually where uh, Meg meets John, and which is and the, Amy meets Fred. Yes, for the first time. Exactly. So this is like uh, this like is possibilities, right? Life and life abundant, right? And then the next beach scene is Amy on the verge, or uh, Beth on the verge of death, mm-hmm. and she's laying in Joe's lap, and that conversation about death being like a, a tide 
And so you have two pictures, one of them cold and blue, mm-hmm. told in the present, which is a picture of death and talking about death. But then you also have this warm and uh, bright scene on the same beach, which is talking about life. So wow. there's this combination of life and death. And, man, she just did that all throughout the film. Uh, there's a scene where Beth is sick and Joe lays with her in bed in the past. And then Joe wakes up in the morning. Beth is gone and she's scared. And it turns out that Beth is well. Well, then there's a, a mirroring scene, a parallel scene later on where, she where she's sick mm-hmm. and Joe's laying in bed with her. And um, she wakes up. Beth is gone. But this time, Beth is gone. Mm-hmm. So, right. so it's a picture of life and death. It's a picture of resurrection, death and resurrection. And uh, one of the things I love about that first scene is when Joe attributes Amy's, I mean, I keep saying Amy, Beth's uh, recovery to her will. Mm. Yeah. Joe's will be done. Yes. <laughs> Joe's like, I saved you one time before. I'll save you again, right? I'll save so you again, yep. she sees her own... God hasn't met Joe's will. She sees her own self as being the strength that is healing Beth. But what Joe doesn't see in that scene is Joe is facing Beth, but behind Joe is Marmy. And what is she doing in that scene? She's praying. Right. Wow. And Beth... And she's healed that he's time. Healed. It wasn't Joe that fixed the <laughs> the right. problem. It was God that fixed the problem. And, of course, God's will is not going to be thwarted by Joe's will at the end. So, anyway, there's just so much, so much. It's and so I will awesome say movie. that the way, she, the way she crafted the movie going back and forth, it is confusing if you don't know the story. But I can see why she did it that way when you when you bring it out that way. Mm-hmm. But at first I was like, why did she do it like this? It's so good because I know the story and I'm still like, OK, now, present past, you know, so if someone had never seen the story before, I can see how that kind of would have been off putting. But when you explain it that way, it just shows you how the writer was just genius Oh, it, pairing up all those little, scenes. Little bitty things. Like I remember yes. there was one part near the first of it where um, where right after Laurie meets all the girls, he's leaving their house and he turns around and he looks up and he sees the attic window and Joe's in the attic mm-hmm. going over her papers and he just smiles, you know, because looking at her from afar. And then the scene shifts and it's Joe in a window still, but it's Frederick that is looking in the like it shifts to the right. present to the present him looking at but her. it's another parallel scene wow so, I mean, there's so gosh so much going on in it so pretty brilliant <laughs> that's what that's one reason i wanted to talk about this maybe because you think greta garwig and i'm sure there's zillions of other people that collaborated on it they put so much into this film and sure and i just want to say hey you know, we saw what you did, and it was amazing, and Absolutely. it's worth talking about because so lovely and so smart and so beautiful in so many ways. Yes. And like you were saying, Jeremiah, it does show the beauty of daily life. In right. fact, in one of the scenes, Amy is encouraging Joe to write about their mundane little life, and she says, you know what? 
if you write about it, it will make it important, mm. you know? Yeah, and I sure. thought that was really wise because we all need to see that our lives are beautiful and important. There's beauty right. in the everyday and we can find God in every moment of our day. We just have to look for him and realize you know, he's here. We don't have to wait for some great adventure or great tragedy or whatever. He's he's in every aspect of our lives. Mm, amen. Good. That's perfect. I yeah. think that, that that's the statement that I think should end this uh, this podcast. Man, yes. Little Women's a great movie. If you haven't watched it, definitely take the time, sit down, and watch it. I didn't want to at the beginning <laughs> of this. Uh, even sl- selecting it was not my choice. But I have to say, at the end of the day, uh, I definitely would watch it again and recommend it. It's an incredible oh, movie. So uh, go I check it out. I absolutely love it. Yay. and. I just want to say that it is a great pleasure to have you on the show. Yes, thank you. Finally, finally, it it has been like a long time coming for you to be on one of our shows. (laughs) Hopefully, it'll be the first of many. Well, thank you all so much. So we'd love to we'd love to have you back. We need to have you on Theonauts. That's right. We'll we'll talk some uh, deep theology over there. Okay, (laughs) sounds great. All right, you ready to get out of here, Jer? Let's do it. Okay, Um, let me find my buttons. Let's do it. Let's do it. Oh, here it is. Okay. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network, using new media and social networking to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. Visit our website at theonautspodcast.com for more. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. Be sure to rate us because that helps us reach a larger audience. There are several ways you can contact us and leave us feedback. Send us email to info at theonautspodcast or call us on our voicemail line at 972-885-7270. Find us on Instagram using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Theonauts. And if you like us and want even more Theonauts, drop us a buck or two at patreon.com slash Theonauts. Your patronage helps us in our expenses like hosting fees and equipment costs. Don't forget to tune in again and explore pop media. Pop media? (laughs) Pop Pop culture, culture, media, and things. Whatever. Have a good night. (laughs) All right. Jeremiah, Meredith, thank you all for being here. Thank you. Thank you. God bless. This has been Theo Pop. Call us on our voicemail line at 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission Transmission. At GCTNetwork.com. These little women. Wow. You liking it, huh? Oh, yeah. Amy just burned Joe's manuscript. I don't see how he could ever forgive her. Um, Joe's a girl. It's short for Josephine. But Joe's got a crush on Laurie. Oh. You mean it's like a girl-girl thing? Because that is the one thing missing from The Shining. No, actually, Laurie's a boy. 
wonder Rachel had to read this so many times. How's it going? Good. Hey, Rach. How you doing with the shining? Oh, Danny just went into room 217. Ooh, the next part's the best. When that dead lady in the bathtub... Oh, no, 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 no. Come on, you're going to ruin it. All right, I'll talk in code. Remember when the kid sees those two blanks in the hallway? Yeah, that's very cool. All blank and no blank makes blank a blank blank. Oh, no, 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 the end. When Jack almost kills them all with that blank, but then in the last second they get away. Joey, I can't believe you just did that. I can't believe she cracked your code. to Joe and she says no even though she's still in love with him and then he ends up marrying Amy hey mine was by accident alright the boiler explodes and destroys the hotel and kills the dad uh, Beth dies <laughs> Beth Beth dies? Is that true? If I keep reading, is Beth gonna die? No, Beth doesn't die. She doesn't die. Does she, Rachel? What? Joey's asking if you've just ruined the first book he's ever loved that didn't star Jack Nicholson. No. She doesn't die. Then why would you say that? Because... I wanted to hurt you. What? Beth is really, really sick. Oh. <laughs> Joe's there, but I don't think there's anything she can do. Joey? Yeah? You want to put the book in the freezer? Okay. Okay. 